Church back in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I only have so many. <laughs> Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, May May third. Pat's birthday week. This birthday weekend, uh, two thousand twenty-two. That's Ian on Pat on the show today. We'll be talking about um, Wada announcing modern grading for new games, Switch Sports, um, Patreon poll topic. Talking about Square selling uh, some of their Western devs in uh, IPs uh, in order to get into NFT games. You probably have a lot to say about that. Um, and other and other goodies. Real quick, uh, we talked about what we did this, what, this past weekend, uh, by and large, on the exclusive Patreon CU Podcast, patreon.com slash CU Podcast. Ian went to Joshua Tree. I sure did. And I went to uh, a German restaurant in Milwaukee. <clears throat> so we're talking about, about that. Uh, anything else that happened before I go into my Midwest Gaming Classic uh, spiel? Well, I'd like to hear that, but I don't want to bring everything down, but I'm pretty miserable about this moment in American politics. This is bad. Okay. And I mean, I, I you don't have anything to say about that? Oh, it's not good. It's, it's not good. And I just, I'm going to try to get through this podcast as best as I can, but uh, this is not great, and I, I don't know what else to say about it. I can't lie about how I feel. I've been miserable since yesterday. Well, I was in a better mood at Midwest Gaming Classic uh, this, pa- this past weekend. Um, finally got out there. I was invited two years ago, and then the pandemic happened, so that delayed it, and I got back out there, and I spoke about a little bit about how different uh, and, and nice uh, people in the upper Midwest are very, very friendly people. No, they're all very laid back, very gregarious uh, sort of group of people. One of the things I like about uh, uh, this uh, this nation is that you have different sort of uh, regions with different sorts of people and subcultures and how people talk. And as I said, like then, then the, the upper Midwest accent, the Minnesota accent, it is a thing with some people. It's very real, very Ac- real. A- yeah, absolutely, people talk about accents. They didn't make absolutely. them up. Absolutely, they didn't absolutely make them up. Real. Um, so I, when I got into the elevator coming down <clears throat> stairs, there was a couple that were like that. I thought it was, I thought it was, it was a put on. It was that thick and heavy. And I was like, oh, wow. And I stayed at this Hilton Ian that was gorgeous. It was like, looked like it was still like in the 1920s when it was built. I mean, it had these, um, golden, like chandeliers. Um, the chandeliers weren't probably original, but like these, these lights that were like ornate golden, like drop down sort of thing with these bulbs that were like bigger sort of older bulbs that like, they looked original. They had on these railings, these gold ornate designs lines or something I'm like that's old. I was like, that's old. And, um, they were even playing music in the background, like stuff from like the thirties. And it just seemed like it was like a time warp. It's that it was the Hilton, the Hilton downtown. I look gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, the room's. Uh, well, obviously we're modernized, but like the bathrooms were tiny. They were probably the size they were like a hundred years ago, like tiny bathrooms. I used to work but, at a uh, old farmhouse restaurant. It was legitimately an old farmhouse, and the bathrooms were the tiny. They they were like half of a closet, maybe yeah. a closet. Like we're talking, you sit down on the toilet, and you're basically your knees are touching the walls. Yeah, the, it, uh, it was so old, Ian. The uh, pipe going to the toilet was 
coming out of the wall next to it. It was going laterally. I haven't seen that before in a hotel ever. You know what I mean? Like it was coming out like attached laterally, not from behind or up. So I'm like that. They, they've never updated like that's probably too much of trouble for each room to update the, the, the plumbing um, there. So well, like, also possibly if it's I, I know in Buffalo, one of the main reasons they did not do the uh, renovations on the old building was because it was grandfathered into older codes. Sure, so if you maybe. do the rent, once you start renovation, you have to redo you it. have to renovate everything yeah so it was, it was weird because like the toilet was like picture like a picture of your toilet in your bathroom but like there's a two-foot pipe coming out the side of it attached to it yeah i have not seen that before um and then otherwise no, otherwise it was fine uh it was great lots of old stuff in milwaukee um or oh, even the flagpole uh like i looked down from my window there was like golden eagles next to the flagpole that looked old like it looked like it was really old like everything was old i loved it they even had like a a theater down the street Ian, with like the oldie time um like the lights on the side like the bulbs on the side going down vertically yeah around I'm like that's old they might have restored it but i love that i love sort of the older sort of uh americana downtowns like that and no but it was a good time um one of the larger uh you know retro gaming expos and, and probably the biggest one i have not been with i haven't been to the seattle one i hear that one's pretty good uh but yeah i've never done that one either. but this one was probably the largest biggest one remaining that i had never been to Eden said you went there in 2015 yeah to me it's if you look at the big three on the west coast it's portland in the midwest in in, in middle america it's it's uh MGC and on yeah. the East Coast, it's it's too many games. I don't think there's one in Chicago that's directly for retro games. There's not, one for pinball, maybe. Not, yeah, probably for pinball. But I I went to the M- MGC as part of a trip to Chicago. So yeah, yeah I, sure. I think I think that counts basically as Chicago's big. Sure, Chicago just attaches itself to that. And then um, they lot they like fifty pinball machines. Pinball machines were amazing. That's where I felt bad that you weren't there because like the pinballs new and oldie, and they had a. A lot of pinball machines there. Maybe more than fifty. There was more. There was more pinball than arcade games. PRGE, yeah. according to their website, had sixty the last time we were there, and I would I would say that that's probably about right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know MGC uh, definitely gets out some unique ones. So, oh yeah. So, whereas like, Portland's had... great, but like I I, I kind you kind of have an idea of what you're going to see at Portland. Uh, it's in more. They have moved on to some newer they're, stuff, they're, but I took a picture when I sent to you. Uh, I know one, that MGC is going to get some boutique-ier stuff. There's maybe. literally one. Thanks for reminding me. There's one I literally took a picture I had not seen before that um, – now I'm going to try to scroll back. Uh, someone gave me uh, Baywatch, a uh, companion screensaver, Ian. Oh, very uh, nice. S- sealed there. Um, I thought that was – since we were talking pinball, I thought you were going to say it's a translate. And I was going to say that would be okay. cool. Let me see it. Police force with, with lions. You ever seen that one before? Uh, no, I haven't. Is that a premiere? It's Williams. Huh. So that's what I mean. I saw ones there I had not seen before. Oh, the play field looks familiar. But yeah, I don't think I've ever played So that's that. like mid-80s? I've never seen that in person. Yeah. That, so that's what I mean. Like, I saw cool. several like that. I'm like, I don't think I've seen this before. And then if I haven't seen it, maybe Ian hasn't. Yeah, it's um, it's it's animals on the police force. There's a lion next to a uh, cheetah uh, shooting at something, shooting at a lizard man and a shark robbing a bank. Yeah, this no, is amazing. I've, I've got to be honest. I mean, I, I figured I knew most of the Williams by sight, but I've yeah, I've never seen that. That's what I mean. So like, and there was other ones too. Um, and they oh, order your official police force hat in the bottom. Nice. Now I want now I want police force. <laughs> so there was like and there was a lot from the 60s and even some from the 50s that were in great shape. Nice. Uh, Norm played one, an older one, probably from like the early 60s. I forget. It was almost almost like 
old enough to be like, wow, this is a glorified bagatelle because it was the style, Ian, where balls went into the bonus targets and you lost the ball. Uh, but, but it had flippers yeah, still. Sure. So yeah. it's, it was like, what was that? What, what era was that? Was that probably sort of the 50s? That would have been like the 50s, uh, early 50s, I think. And uh, they're called gobble holes. Gobble holes. So like he played one in gorgeous shape. It had a wood, a wood frame in the top. All around that was yeah. In, it's a wood rail. That's wood rail. That, that was it, that's the that's the name of that specific okay. era. Is wood so rails. it was in I mean beautiful shape, beautiful shape. Yeah. Play field like that the so. natural like stained wood yes. rails. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Wood was, rail games are gorgeous. Okay, and there are some that play pretty well too. Yeah. So it, when I saw, it, I was like, huh, you're not getting the ball back. It's it, it was one of those you have to you have to plunge it in. Yeah. You know, with the not yeah. all wood rails have gobble holes though. So. Okay. Yeah, you have to push the bottom plunger yeah. to get he, scoop the ball into. The, yeah, he had to do that each so, Yeah, because we were expecting the ball to come back. I was like, oh no, this is too old. It's not coming back in. You're, you're going to do it yourself. Even some so, non wood rails, like that. Once they started painting yeah. them and getting cabinet art, even some of those you still have to do that. Do the plunge. That scoop. This little, okay. Um, so yeah, it, it was great time. Got German food. Um, hung out with Kelsey. Hung out with Norm. Um, uh, your, your pal. Well, it's my pal too, but more your pal Chris from Windy City Gaming. Oh, Super Chris. nice. Chris is really nice. He was selling. Uh, selling his his newest thing was um, selling. He does refurbished uh, computers. Yeah. So like finding old older sort of computer cases, but then putting in new guts. Yeah. Basically. He upcycles them and puts all sorts of cool stuff in yeah. there. Uh, you can check him out at UCW. It's Upcycle Computer Works. That's his business. And then we got we got some good stuff from uh, people sent us good stuff. Um, you want to do a shout out to the to this this person? Yeah, I do. Uh, hold on. You got the card there. There it is. So this was given to me through Pat, and it's it's amazing. Um, it's Kirby string art. And I got a DK one on the little barrel. That's it's gorgeous. Wood. Yeah. Uh, that's going to go right in my little work area at home. Uh, Morgana Four is the owner of Walnuts Electric String Work or String Art. So and I guess the person who gave it to us was named Corey Hobson. So thank you, Corey. So it's all strings, and then they're screwed in and wrapped around for the design. So it's really, I don't think I've seen something like this before. It's really ingenious. I can't imagine, uh, I guess, uh, the time it takes to do this precisely like this, to wrap it around all nice like that. Yeah, it's crazy. And you also got a cookbook from someone? Got a cookbook from someone, so thank you for this. It came with uh, a box of games. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry, I forget the name. It was a volunteer helping out with the tabletop board uh, area. And the same person gave me Cool Borders 4 sealed and also sealed Puzzle Challenge crosswords on PS2. So I got that. And a bunch of Super Famicom games. I'm, uh, well. I'm very excited to read this. I feel like this person uh, knew me pretty well uh, or, or had a good idea of what I like because it's not only a cookbook. It's a cookbook based on recipes from what they would make on the trains. And I love trains. So it's trains and cooking together. Okay. Can't, uh, can't wait to crack into this. It's wonderful. Mm. All right. German pancakes. Oh, oh, German pancakes are good. Yeah, it is. Get some of that apple topping on there or sour cream on there. Maybe a little bit of both. I think we, I think we got one bite with one, one bite with another. I think we got to go to the German restaurant over here. I haven't been there in like several years. So we got, we got to check it out. Ian, I will never go there again. Uh, okay. Great, great food, but I will never go there again. You don't like the people working, working there was fucking miserable. Oh, you worked there. That's yeah. I was telling you about it in the intro. But you didn't say it was that one over here. Oh, I mean, there's like no other German restaurants. Well, I thought Diego. you meant back east. But yeah. No. Okay. No. Oh, and I want to thank uh, Dave. Thank you. Love popcorn. Oh, you know who gave it to, yes. that to us? Yep. Yeah, Dave gave us both. The, it's, so it's combination uh, cheese Ch- and, and cheese caramel. Cheese and cheddar. Uh, it's delicious. You can cheese get it caramel. at the movie theaters now. Oh, yeah, cheese and caramel. Cheese and cheddar. <laughs> uh, you can get cheese is cheddar. The lot will is do that, that for is you. That, is that a Midwestern thing to mix them? Well, the way he said it, it sounds like it is, because I think he called it uh, like the Chicago mix or something yeah. like that. But I've never, I, I, I mean, I've been eating cheese and 
uh, caramel popcorn together for, I don't know, probably a decade now. Sure. I, I tried it at a movie theater and I was like, this is great. And I kept doing it. So, yeah. Uh, was it, wait, wait, was that? Stefan gave us stuff. I'm trying to remember that was Stefan or the other one. I'm, I'm mixing. So, I'm sorry. I, I, I meet so many people on the weekend. But um, thank you so thank much, you. everyone, for who, who gave us the stuff. Thank you so much. It was great coming out. I sold out. It. I sold out of almost, I mean, everything I brought. I mean, uh, the NES Punk DVDs I sold out of. Yeah, you I, said you were close to it, at least. That's no, crazy. No, I did. Oh, you did? And okay. I, I had three Video Game Years DVDs. Left. I sold out of not for resale Blu-rays. I sold out of all the pins, podcasts, and the Pixel Pat pins. And I sold out. The books were gone by 2 p.m. Saturday. They were gone. Um, the NES books were gone by 11 in the morning, or 11.30. I, 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 I usually bring double the amount of Super Nintendo books because it's been out for half the time. time. Sure. Uh, and But people were going after the NES book first. And I was just like sort of shocked. I, I take for granted that if you're the first time in the area, people might be a little bit more maybe excited to, to, to purchase the stuff. But like it, I was overwhelmed. The first, yeah, it's a whole new market. Yeah. I mean, the first two hours was nonstop for me. And Norm was next to me. Um, and it, it, Norm, Norm sold out everything, too. He has his T-shirts and his little journal books. He sold out by Sunday morning. All his stuff. His shirts were gone by Saturday. So I was just like, wow. So thank you so much. Everyone was great. Pinball was great. The food was great. Made some new friends. Um, we'll bring it up later. I was right next to, right next to him behind good old Wada. That was not probably done on purpose, but I was right by them. And, um, they were doing consignments and no one was at their booth almost the entire weekend. I saw two or three people, uh, looking really, or sitting down and trying to consign the whole weekend out there. There was almost no, we'll talk about it later again, but there was almost no sealed, uh, games at the entire convention there. Yeah, I just I don't think it's the market for it. I mean, as you said the other night when you mentioned this to me, you know, uh, no place is the market for it. I, I, I get that. But I think in particular, MGC is a place where people go to play old games, not well, not slab them. Well, uh, and it, well, oh, the vendor area was kicking, though. There was a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. People, uh, people were buying sure. People were buying. Um, oh, I, I know, but I'm saying like they're uh, buying stuff to. I, it's more it's, traditional. I, I don't. They're not speculators. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, oh yeah, there was someone was trying to ask me for um, trying to find a uh, Turbo Express. I felt bad. I didn't. I didn't see one the, over over the whole weekend. Someone someone had a Duo R in the box. One of the vendors. Nice. Um, there, was, there was like three three or four vendors had Turbo stuff, uh, but I think I, you did see a somewhat of the shift of where it's like, yeah, there were probably more PS2 games being sold, probably and things like that. I, I did talk to someone named Josh, who owns a store up there. Um, forget the name of the store. But has uh, oh I think he said it's kind of hard to believe but he said uh, yeah I have like a, a like um, over ten thousand PS2 games in storage basically just buys them and sells them but they said that's the seller right now it's PS2 games that's the big yeah. thing right now and that's what I always said when I worked at Luna that's like I, I left right as PS2 I, I always say around twenty two years old is like when yeah. people start go twenty years back yeah buying all that stuff once they hit like twenty twenty two and we are right at that point now with the PS2 we're oh, right smack absolutely. dab on twenty absolutely twenty one um, Switch Sports came out Switch over the Sports and unfortunately we were both traveling I w if I if I was home this past weekend I would have bought it and played it I'll try to get it this week and check it out yeah I would have too um, I'm not I was not like as thrilled about it as other people were I I just don't necessarily love motion play in my games but I do love Wii Sports bowling. And I will absolutely buy this just to play bowling over I, and over. I love the baseball game. I thought the baseball game baseball was, was fun. fun. Not on this, unfortunately. If it yeah. was, I mean, it's not a popular one for most people, but I enjoyed it. Well, um, 
So Switch Sports is out, and it's getting okay reviews. It's, it's got like a uh, 74 right now on Metacritic, um, Metacritic, and um, even the lowest reviews say that it's still fun, but basically it's obviously not going to recapture the the hysteria that it got on the Wii yeah. because motion controls were new motion controls. That was like your first experience with motion controls. We've seen the entire lifespan of motion controls since we first played Wii sports Yeah, from them being Connect. popular and then everyone trying to copy them and then yes, everyone go. getting sick of them. And now yeah. basically no one using them again, unless it's right. like VR or something. I, I still get uh, Sony shit from it. They made fun of it. Then they try to copy it and no one cared. So I think it is interesting that, um, this is still something that people after all that are enjoying. Sure. I, I, I did feel like this was going to face some pretty, uh, it was going to face a fresh set of eyes in terms of criticism. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, uh, see that it came out and people are liking it and I want to play it. But something, uh, is exactly the same between history now repeat, history and, repeats and then. itself 15, 16 years later. So Ars Technica is reporting on uh, Nintendo Switch sports players are breaking TVs like it's 2006. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, so they say so far <laughs> these new reports of virtual sports related accidents are limited but dramatic. Um, what is this writer's name? This is from Kyle Orland. Um, Twitch streamer 63 man started things off by breaking his monitor live on stream during a particularly energetic, energetic tennis swing on Saturday. Uh, has he mentioned he doesn't have a wrist strap? One viewer wrote, so he wasn't wearing a wrist strap. Oh my God. Yeah. That's why they're there. I mean, it's a thing just in case. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Uh, I mean, I remember that being, you know, uh, bigger news back in the day. Um, but uh, the, the, this will happen. Yeah, it, it, it happens. You know, yeah, whether it's because it slips out of your hand because your hand is getting sweaty or your brain just does that yes. weird thing where it mixes up the it's signals. Instinct. I'm going to release the ball. I'm going to release the ball. I'm right. going to release the controller. I'm looking at this compilation of old Wii remotes and someone did that with the bowling. They just released the controller and threw well, it. I, I feel bad. Like, I feel bad because it's fun. It's, it's funny, but like, obviously it causes damage, but I don't think the people who are doing it are stupid. Yeah, it's a simple brain trick. That's why I do put the wrist strap well, on when I play. Are, some of these are kids in the old days. So you look at yeah. this compilation and the, the parents got it. I mean, they, the games warn you before. Yeah. Nintendo does a good job of saying, hey, Put the wrist strap on. It tells you. So, I mean, I never threw it. So, I mean, I have I, I played obviously it. without a wrist strap. I've been, I have been, uh, derelict in my responsibilities, uh, with Wii Sports before. But one time I was wearing the wrist strap and I did play bowling and it like, it saved the TV. Of course. <laughs> it came right out of my hand. Sure. That's why it's there. So, yeah. Funny stuff. Yeah. But so, all this compilation from 15 years ago of all these people ruining their TVs or throwing their controller. And it's like, uh, yeah. And, and sometimes there's parents right there. And it's like, hey, parents, put the wrist strap on your four-year-old. Like, like, the, what are you doing? Like, like, I'm looking at all these old. F- so you're going to have to do that with Joy-Cons. I mean, that's the thing. The only thing I can say is that if you break an LCD TV or a flat panel TV, it's going to be a lot less messy than a tube TV. And it's cheaper now versus. Yes, absolutely. TVs are like. 80% cheaper than they were in 2000. Do you remember when like tube TVs were like good ones were like, like. Several hundred dollars. Oh, I mean, there were two TVs that were fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. But like some of these people in this video looking at the Wii hitting remote, some are still, you know, LEDs and LCDs were not widely adopted yet in two thousand six. It would take a couple more, a couple more years to get there. This is still pre HD, uh, just about. And um, but like my Olivia thirty seven inch was like twelve hundred dollars in two thousand six. Twelve hundred dollars for a thirty six thirty seven inch 
in 2006. A 37 inch now. I'm gonna look up how much a 37, a 37. If they even sell, I'll just say 40 inch. You can get one for 300 dollars right now. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you won't get OLED uh, or the uh, fastest uh, refresh I'm, rate. I'm sorry, Ian. How much? 300. 200. Uh, about 200. Yeah. So one sixth the cost. I can get uh, I can get an insignia 40 inch LED for 180 with 50 bucks off at Best Buy right now. So yeah. so that's like the one positive is that it won't kill you if you break one of your TVs, but you should really use the wrist. <laughs> yes. Oh, but it's supposed to add. What supposed and to heaven add, forbid uh, you have a nice TV like a uh, fucking OLED. Oh yeah, those are more expensive. An OLED is more expensive. Yeah, those are still in like the fifteen hundred dollar range yeah. for a nice big one. But a regular L- LED, nope. they don't make LCDs anymore. It's all LEDs. Oh, yeah, it's, LED. it's cheaper and better tech. Um, they're all yeah. You, you can get a forty three inch, two sixty, two thirty, forty forty two. Yeah, you can. Like these are like four and a half star TVs. Like there's just you can put a TV in every room nowadays. It's like what the hell happened with tech there? Uh, so what are, what are the Switch sports games again? That that's a combination of the resort and the, uh, uh, the bowl. It, 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 it's it's got a two from resort and two from the original. It's got the the kendo. I, I can't remember what they call it, but like the sword fight, the sword fight, and volley. Uh, the sword fight and Chambara. Uh, yeah, uh, tennis it, bowling, tennis bowling, volleyball, uh, badminton, and and uh, football. Oh, or soccer. Soccer. The badminton is also from Wii Sports Resort. I believe the volleyball okay. is new and the soccer is new. The soccer thing you can put it on your on your uh, you strap it to your thigh and you kick. You can. I saw a commercial with that. They 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 have a uh, Jessica Alba's been pushing this with yeah. her family. It's weird to think of Jessica Alba being older, having a family. It's like how old are we? Because um, she was always like twenty years old. Um, and then there, and then golf's coming out later in the year with a free update. Um, Golf was always fun too. Golf was, was golf was very uh, fun. I, I would have I, been more excited about this if uh, golf was included uh, from the get go. I'm hoping for baseball because these are simple games. Uh, hoping for baseball. I don't need boxing. It'd be fun. No, the boxing, boxing sucked. Boxing well, well because the nunchuck never really worked that well. Yeah, motion as well as boxing that. sucked, and I'm not particularly excited by soccer with the additional gimmick, but. But if you want, if you want to throw them, in, everything else look, could be interesting. Eh, we can get baseball, and if you want to get back boxing as well, but you know, definitely baseball, I, I'd be into. That was fun to do, like a home run derby thing. Yeah, back then. Um, and then they have uh, maybe I'll pick it up today. And then you can use what is this? That's like alongside me, me's new avatars called Sports Mates have been introduced, which have detailed hair and face as well as arms and legs. Well, give me the old, old, old uh, Playmobil style me's. That's the ones I like. You can use normal me's. There is yeah. a way to do it. Yeah. Okay. I never brought my uh, my. Uh, my uh, me over for my weed and my Wii U. Did I? You had to do like the transfer. Yeah, I don't think you going. did. There is a way to make a me on your Switch. Vonnie showed me, but I just can't remember where it is. It's like hidden. <sighs> WB is selling off uh, basically all of their games, uh, all of their game studios, which uh, the big one for me that I, I know of is Never Realm uh, behind Mortal big, Kombat. Big. Uh, and then uh, they're also getting rid of uh, Rocksteady, which was responsible for the Batman Arkham games, uh, WB Games Montreal, Monolith Productions, and Avalanche Software. Um, these, like in terms of games, uh, that would be like Hogwarts Legacy, Middle Earth, Fear, Mortal Kombat, uh Batman, the Suicide Squad game, all the Lego games, which I did not know were under WB. Hmm. I guess, although I guess that makes sense. Uh, free to play mobile games. Uh, yeah. So that's what they're 
getting rid of. And this comes on on the heels of Discovery, the Discovery buyout. They're shaking. We talked about them shaking up the whole DC stuff in the movie, so they're trying. They're shaking up the whole company. Yeah, so, everything is getting fucking changed right now. So they're going to sell this all. I mean, they realize we don't. We don't. We don't want to be in this business anymore. We'll obviously we'll just license out our properties to be made. And so you're going to have bidding wars for probably some of these studios. I mean, you know, that's what's, that's what's just going to happen. Uh, it says, says, in addition to selling their studios, Warner Bros. Discovery are reportedly looking to license their IP to yeah. other publishers similar to how Marvel yeah. does it. Less overhead, less to worry about. Yeah. Why, why, why? why have an entire games division? Yeah. Like, why have to worry about it? I mean, it made sense. It looked like, I mean, looking at the, because obviously they, they own, um, they, they own the DC stuff, so, so they keep it in-house. Right. Uh, I did not know they had the Lego stuff. Uh, Lego IP? Do they have that forever? Makes sense. It's a lot of uh, Warner Brothers properties, and then, too. Uh, Mortal Kombat, and then you have um, fucking Harry Potter stuff, which they make all the movies. So I, I get it. Um, n- n- new sheriff in town. They're trying to streamline, probably. And that's honestly, yeah, it's totally different creating movies versus video games. So I, I can see why they're doing that. So, so well, we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. We'll, we'll see if some of these become exclusive uh to uh, some, uh, maybe Sony will try to buy a couple of these. Maybe, maybe Microsoft will. You know where you can get exclusive uh, C podcasts and Pat the NES Punk merch? Where? Uh, UltimateNintendo.com. You, oh, you can go there, Ian. We got the the, the, the enamel C podcast pin. We're running out of them because I just sold a bunch this past weekend. Pat Pixel. Pin. We have 12 of the uh, podcast pins left. Including this one. <laughs> no, not including that. So that's 13. And we will likely do a rerun, uh, but, you know, later this year, probably. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll none, see. Uh, the Yoshi prints are gone. Thanks for buying all the oh, Yoshi combat prints. Combat, combat. And i got the books, the uh, certain NES Super Nintendo guidebooks. RBI baseball stickers. Those sold out Saturday morning. I brought about 13, 14. Those all sold out. She, she brought, brought the whole one. roll. <laughs> bring the whole roll. I'm not bringing, bringing 2,000, Ian. I mean, if I, they sold out by Saturday, you could have sold I'm a not whole lot sold more. I 1,900 in the week. I, I'll, I should bring like 30 or 40. That's what I should have brought. Like, But then unwinding, it's a pain in the ass to, to, to cut them up. It's a pain. Sure. And I'll, I'll be on. Tw- you really want me to bring the whole roll? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's not like ra- it's that raffle big. Ticket. It's heavy. Ian. Come on. I don't I don't pack. Light. I'm trying you know to have you make money here. You, oh, could, you, you left money on the table, Patrick. Uh, I will make sure more about the books. I'm going to put money on the table, not shipping the books. Um, and I'll be on Twitch Wednesday, twitch.tv slash country code. Maybe a birthday stream. I don't know. And then I'm on cameo camera slash. Uh, slash pat country if you want me to wish your uh, mom a happy mother's day this uh, sunday i'm the guy to do it i'm the guy to do it ian why do esports athletes have a short lifespan uh well, not <laughs> they don't have a short lifespan. Oh, lifespan their careers have their a short... careers have it yeah the esports athletes Dead themselves do not have a short <laughs> lifespan um so it's interesting this is actually a pretty interesting article i read it this is from the washington post by jonathan lee they uh, talk about, they start off talking a little bit about fatality. Uh, we, oh. When we were younger, like when I was graduating high school, fatality was kind of like one of the first, I'm not going to say the first people will argue it, but one of the first big name, well-known pro games. First one I've heard of. He, yes. had, a, he had a whole line of, of, of creative uh, Sound Blaster and, and products and things yep. like that. He got, he was licensed and all that. Oh, yeah. he, they licensed them. Um Jonathan Wendell, they talk about how he made $458,000 in prize money by the end of his competitive career. His last professional match was in 2007. Wow. He was only 26. 
So he was doing all his license stuff in his early 20s. Yeah. Wow. Um, so they talk about then they, they go on and they point out, point out that the Overwatch League, the average retirement age is 23. Call of Duty, the median age, right? No one, ha- uh, only six players have retired. The median age is 26. Um, average competitor age is around 22. So they go and they continue and talk about how a lot of people said, well, it's got to be because of reflexes, right? You know, you're young yeah. and your reflexes, you know, uh, you know, start to short out early. But I've seen, I, I don't think I don't that think I, I've never thought that that was necessarily true. Yeah. And they, they said they talked to a doctor here. Um, Dr. Caitlin McGee, physical therapist, uh, says that there is research to show that reaction time changes over time. And eventually it's age, but it's way later than your mid 20s. Yes. I want to say 30s or 40s, I, I can get you, but like... If you're like, 35 and you're not playing well at a game and you're otherwise healthy, it's not because your reactions are magically slower than sure. someone 10 years younger than you. Yeah. They're just better at the game. I, this is this is anecdotal. My gaming reflexes in my 40s now, I don't think are any worse than what they were 20 years ago. Um, I can still beat Mike Tyson easily, and that's probably always... I would say, that, can I beat Mike Tyson? That'll probably be the test for me, because that's you need insane reaction time. For Every that. year I've been um, alive, I get better at shooters, not worse, yeah. and shooters um, are all twitch and reaction. Yeah, so I don't buy that. Obviously, if you're talking like 50s, 60s, I'll be like, okay, maybe, but like, yeah, I don't think it's that, and this article goes into some of the other reasons. Yeah, so they, they talk about how, um, basically, uh, one of the reasons they leave is stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a stressful job, you know, uh, and they even talk here, uh, Dennis Fong says, you know, when you're 20 year old, you can be all in games 24 seven, be super happy about it. You love playing all these games, but when you're in your thirties and forties, he says, you've got more real life responsibilities. You may have a family, you may have a kid, you may have stuff going on in your life. He still loves games. I still play games, but it's not a priority to me. Um, and I get it. And I, I feel like another reason they say, uh, they retire young is it's uncertain. And I, I don't even, you know, some of these kids I, I blame. Some of them I don't. You get a lot of money when you're young. You're not always the smartest sure. with it. So then they start to realize, well, I can't do this forever. And esports haven't been around long enough for that to seem like a long-term career goal like actual sports. Yeah. I talked about it before. These games can can wane in popularity in a few years. Traditional sports, that doesn't happen. And that's the other thing. Um, some of these guys are or some guys and girls, all, all, all these people are good at one specific game. Yes. And we, we have beaten this one in the ground but it's very true. Uh, just because you're good at one game doesn't mean you're going to be good at another game. Those skills, while you should have a leg up, to on the competitive level, all of your skills are not transferable. Yeah. Or, or like, uh, what's, the, what's that game that... Uh, uh, Here's of the Storm is the one you always like to talk about. They canceled it. They're like, they stopped supporting it. Right? Yeah. Within, what, a couple years? Two, three years? It was done. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, uh, we talked about that. Um so what if you're great in that? What if you're like, oh, I'm 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 hitting all those tor- and Well, now you go and you gone. find another MOBA, but like I said, not, not they're all different. So you know, yeah, not all those skills are going to necessarily. A person who is great at Fortnite is not automatically going was, to be amazing at Apex. Was it Heroes of the Storm? Which was the one that, that was canceled? It. That was the Blizzard one. I thought I thought it was an EA had one. Was it EA had one? What was you, the, you could be right. I don't know. EA MOBA. Sorry, but the whole point is this: is that imagine imagine you were like a, an athlete, like a sports athlete. And you and you and you know all of a sudden you're in your prime, you're making money, and then oh the league folds. That's what can happen with, with a game. And we talk about how we, we brought up before about how tenuous some of this, uh, some of some of this whole scene is to begin with. That a lot of these leagues are, aren't making money, right? Like they're not like profitable. Some of these esports leagues, they just aren't. There's not enough out to, outside advertising and interest to keep them afloat. 
These aren't like events where you uh, go and buy tons of merch to support your favorite athlete or go to games. I mean, they like, have uh, merch, but yeah, it's not. It's, it's not going to be the same scale. The same. Right. So these are you can't you can't support it. It's not the same thing. So the most successful you know uh, esports uh, person is not making the same amount of money as a professional athlete. They're just not. It's not the same scale on average. So making um, almost ha- making half a million dollars over the course of your career, like Fatality that's did, nothing. Is, 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 it's great. That's nothing. It's great. A lot of money for a kid. But you can't retire on that. You can't right. do much with that. That's and nothing. I'm, and I'm sure um, the money has gone up, but probably not, you know, not uh, substantial. Uh, not not to pro not to pro athlete. And again, on, what's the average person doing? Like what's the, what's the average average player on some, I don't know, some call of duty team making per year? Like it's not going to be enough to retire on after playing a few years versus you know you play five years six years professional sports that's that's enough usually it's enough usually you make some millions you invest it properly you're fine so there's all these factors here the one thing I wanted to bring up too I'm not sure this article gets into is I would say the amount of repetition that's probably involved in playing these games you probably get burnt out you're, you're doing the same thing over and over again every day for 365 days a year. Yep. No off time like in sports. And at least in sports, it's a fresh experience each time when you're playing a basketball game. Like, you know, like you can get burnt out on that, but it's there's something to be said for I, 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 I'm not well, putting that. It's real life versus sitting in a chair with a mouse and keyboard eight hours a day. I think there's something yeah. to be said about the physicality of it. At the end That's of the true. day, being an esport is a desk, uh, being an esport athlete is a, it's, it's a desk job. Desk job. Exactly. It's like being in a cave. It's sedentary. Yes. Your brain is going rapid fire, but your body's just twitching. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel like there's probably. Uh, yeah, very high chances of burnout with that. Uh, associated with that. And then about just growing older, uh, this is a quote from who who did this quote. Um, here's the quote. When you're a 20-year-old, you can be in all games 24-7 be super happy, right? Fong said. But when you're in your 30s and 40s, you've got more real-life responsibilities. You may have a family. You may have a kid. You may have stuff going on in your life. I still love games. I still play games, but that's not a priority for me. That's the thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't dedicate to be really good at these games you got to dedicate hours, several hours a day to just, to just to probably keep up with the new people coming in, trying to knock you off. It's totally different than than athletic sports. Totally different in sure. terms of how that works. No, probably almost no downtime, and you're just always stressed about it, and you have to always perform at the top of your game. And, and you have to play every time there's an update because yeah. you got to learn like where they and, change stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it, imagine if if imagine if football updated its rules, you know. Sure. Fucking four times a year. And it's not like, you know, a professional sports team, you know, baseball, you, you have up to 40 guys. Football, you have like 50, 60 guys. It's not like you you have like stringers, second, third, fourth stringers. So if you get worse, you're in reserve. No, you're just gone. Like that, you're, that's your career. Right. There's no, there's no, there's no bench riding. I mean, like, I'm sure there's a couple of alternates they keep, but like, you're done. <laughs> like, you're just done. Yeah. So it just seems like something that would be fun to, to like be a part of then once you get into it it's like what did i what what did i wish for like now this is hell on earth yes at least to me like like like, yeah i just couldn't picture doing it myself um uh let's see this guy brandon seagull Larned is a twitch streamer and one of the early trailblazers in the overwatch league during his time with the dallas fuel Larned recounted practice with his team 10 hours a day six days a week barf I know ten so- hours a day. Of, what, what, at what point is it diminishing returns on your psyche and getting burned out? That seems nuts. Yeah, I, I want to make uh, it clear here that I don't think if you're an esports player, uh, I, I I have nothing negative to say about you because you really are doing. I, I would burn out on that. Like that's 
Ooh, that does not sound fun at all. Wow. 10 hours a day of practicing. Six days a week. There's no no off time. Yeah. Like you can't do it. 10 hours is your whole day. Uh, you, like I said, you're working a desk job for 10 hours straight. 60 hours on a video game is something that I achieve on very few games. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but and they're doing it in a week. And it's intense gameplay. Yes. Like, it's not casual. It's competitive. You're not yeah. having fun. You know, you're, you're like always zoned in about it. Anyway, you'll read the article. It's really good. I, 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 I skimmed over some of it. Um, yeah. And we're not even talking about the maturity level for someone who's a teenager getting into it to realize what am I getting into as well. Sure. And now you're trapped in this world. There's a, there's a lot to this that's kind of scary the more you get into it. And like I said, I don't know how many of these leagues are, are actually profitable without, you know, the sponsors or investors plunking in more money to prop them up here. So, all right. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fun article there. That was a good one. Ubisoft has uh, disabled online functionality in 91 games. TechSpot article highlights it. This happened right when we were recording the podcast last week. Um, and um, it includes uh, stuff like uh, Far Cry games, the past Ghost Recon, Rainbow Six Vegas, several Just Dance games. Uh, the full the full list is available on multiple sites. There's Assassin's Creed games on here. Uh, Call of Juarez 2 and 3 is on here. I've heard of those Far Cry 1 and 2 is on here. So now you're going back some here. Uh, Just Dances from 14 to 18. So 18 is not that long ago, yeah. but that's gone. So you're talking stuff from like this PS3, Xbox 360. Most era. of it is PS3 and uh, Xbox 360. Some PS2 stuff is finally shut down. R- Rainbow Six uh, Lockdown, but but uh, Rayman 3. So some of the stuff is probably you know, 10 years old or more, 15 years old. Uh, but to do it like that without... Warning is kind of sucky. I mean, yeah, I, I can't I, all these games at one time. Like you couldn't. I, that just seems weird. Like some of these games had been played more than others. Still, I would think. I would think. Right. Uh, and there's a difference between looking at something like um, I don't know uh, a Might and Magic game from 15 years ago. There's a Might and Magic versus like a, a Just Dance game from four years ago. Might still be some people playing that. Right. Online again. This is online stuff. So. Um, Offline, you'll be fine, but it's still not great. Uh, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes, they shut down the PC multiplayer. That sucks. Um, How how old is that one? Huh? How old is that one? Pretty old. It's a puzzle game. It's just, it's a really good puzzle game. Uh, Playing against other people is a lot of fun. Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands. Um, Yeah, Uh, I mean, looking at this list, a lot of this is, I, I... Scribble 2009, Ian, that was your go-to. In, 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 in a world of things getting delisted, none of this surprises me. I just, yeah, it would have been nice if they'd announced But something. all at one time, flip, yes. flipping a switch is kind of weird, you know. Um, some are only losing online features on selected platforms. Um, okay, Just Dance 2016 through 18 is dropping online support for PS3, Xbox 360, and Wii, but it's still good for Xbox One, PS4, and Wii U. Okay, so at least... It's a sad reality. It's a sad reality. Oh, boy. Uh, and Ubisoft, in this this article, uh, they're attracting takeover attention from private equity companies. So it says, unclear whether that is anywhere related to 91 Games Online Services being shuttered. I don't think so. I, I don't picture that being a huge amount of money to keep these servers up. But what do I know? But I don't think that would... When I see stuff like 360 and PS3 stuff go down, it makes sense to me. On some, I, I wish it wouldn't, but on some level, I, I understand it. It's when I see PC stuff lose its online service. That's where it kind of hurts more because people are still using PCs. PCs are an internal system. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so I, I would assume that they probably uh, would not purposely cancel a popular game. So I'm not sure any of these had a ton of players. But yeah, it's it. 
at the end of the day, it's weird to me that they would can't they would stop anything on the PC. I just can't imagine that it costs a ton to keep that up. I know it's almost like we need like a law, like you got to go at least fifteen years after the release of the game. Fifteen years. Some of these games are not fifteen years. A lot, some are, but some are not. I think fifteen um, years is a bit much. I mean, there's always going to be there's always going to be extenuating circumstances. Give me 15 years. Give me double the lifespan of the system. Usually, the system's like six, seven, eight, seven years around there. Let's. Uh, I'll meet you half. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Ian. Help yeah. me out here. Whatever. I'm trying to be good for the people out there. Power to the people. Let's go 12. Let's go 14. <laughs> Sold. Fine. Okay. It's my final offer. 14 years after the game's released. Uh, okay. Uh, Wada. Oh yeah. Who I was next to. Uh, Next to and behind at Midwest Gaming Classic, almost nobody at their booth because no one cares. Um, they announced, or Collector's Universe, the parent company, announced um, that they are going to be grading modern games. It was announced on their Twitter, Ian. I have a, I have a link to them to the buyout. So uh, let me go to let me go to the Twitter. Sorry, I had the wrong link there. That's okay. Um, so so it includes you know PS3 games. You know, uh, Xbox One games were on that list. Um, and I'm not shocked that they they would go there and start doing this. But let's realize what that means and, and what, it, what, it, what does it say. And we've seen this with, with comic books. Grading modern comic books has been around for a while now. Sure. Well, uh, I mean, to, and let's also remind, remind people that this is something that uh, Video Games Authority does, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. VGA has always done this. Yep. But at this point, VGA is like who who uses them, who talks yeah, about them anymore. Does. It's like what what is it? Um, so, or, did you find it here? Where is it from? Like last week or so? This this was this happened like before. Oh yeah, it's from April fifteenth. Um, Watt announces modern grading. We will be officially launching our modern grading service soon, which will include seventh generation on video games up to now. The eligible consoles for modern grading being added include PS three, PS four, PS five. DS, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X, Ian's favorite one. Join the modern beta launch today. We have tested our modern process with select high-volume submitters over the past month during a beta grading phase. If you'd like the opportunity to participate in the second phase of our beta launch, we will be whatever. Fuck off. So I guess... How are you grading that shit if you got a backlog of retro shit? Yeah, you're, you're up to a year behind on stuff. Uh, I mean... And... So when I see this, this seems like a really weird time to announce that because um, if they're so far behind that people are considering lawsuits, mm-hmm. um, why? I mean, that's going to open floodgates. There are people yes. out there who have clearly been sitting on sealed, expensive games since WADA that they couldn't get created at WADA since WADA opened its doors. And then when the knowing st- that at some point that it would probably happen. And I mean, they're going to get fucking slammed. And then the craziness that happened last summer probably led everyone to have their sealed N64 games laying around and say, oh, I'm going to get this stuff in or, or, or seal whatever. Well, at sealed N64, um, they would have. Oh, well, I'm talking about, yeah, the modern stuff, though. So. Oh, I'm just saying, in general, though, there was a rush of stuff that probably started happening last yes. summer. Yes. And then you add this on top, like you said. But, and then, right. And if they haven't cleared it out, I feel like that's, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's funny when you look at, oh, there's 103. Oh, this, they got ratioed, of course. By the way, no one follows WADA. They have 1,000 followers, which, again, harkens to how many people are really into this stuff. But, like, sure. um, and probably a lot of people are hate following them. I'm not following them. Um the first response, so I got I go buy a brand new game off the shelf, have it graded and sell it for ten times the price. Yeah, uh huh, gotcha. That makes total fucking sense. Um this is what happens with the, well, this is gonna happen. 
people are going to try to get into the mode uh, of doing this for like your favorite franchise, maybe your, your favorite Kirby game, and you want to see slapped. Sure. The issue is this: with with modern games in the past twenty years, you can find these games, you know, unopened more easily, right? And especially the past what ten years? Are you kidding me? So is it is this going to be like how people started doing the nineties when the bubble happened? Where oh, I'm going to buy one to read and one to one to keep unopened and pristine. I mean, that's going to help the, the 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 people making the games, I guess. But this is not going to end well. Like there's not, there's going to be very few modern games that'll be a quote unquote investment. Very few. The more people uh, get in on something, the less likely it's ever going to be worth more in the future. Yes. Yes, we can look back at the 90s. There are definitely comic books in the 90s that are worth money. Every comic book? No. 99%? No. 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 Yeah. They're worthless. That's why you can walk uh, into a place like comics and stuff and find good stuff in the dollar bins. Because yeah. even good comics yeah. were, were printed en masse. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, that that Daredevil comic, they only did 10,000 or 20,000. Even those aren't really the Fall from Grace one, whatever. The one he went all black and dark in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Remember mm-hmm. that one where he, where he finally killed the Kingpin spoilers? They could kill the Kingpin finally. Yeah. He was fine. Matt, Matt had, was, had fucking enough finally. It's like, <laughs> and, I'm done with this. And after all those years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this guy, which Batman should do with the Joker. I was so Batman doesn't kill. Well, maybe he should have. Maybe, Sorry. maybe you should think about that. Maybe he should have thought about changing that rule for, maybe not for Poison Ivy, but for, for the Joker anyway. Right. So this is just, I mean, I'm not surprised to see that, but they've had a lot of weird annou- announcements lately. They announced they had someone come on board for authentication. On April fourteenth, that I mean, that's great. You probably should have had someone like that years ago. But there you go, you got that. Um, and yeah, and their population reports. And now they're trying to tweet about, hey, check out the the graded NWC controller. Uh, I don't know, Ian. I, I it's, it's going to be a weird thing happening. Yep. But you're never going to be family friendly or like, oh, check out this Resident Evil. Did you know Resident Evil was a game series? Well, Wada, you don't care about game history, so who the fuck cares? Like, don't tell me about your tweets about. Oh, there's only three graded copies of this 8.0. Enough. Enough. Uh, Hans Ippich. Uh, it, was report, it, was, it was reported that um, he's no longer the president of a television uh, entertainment uh, Europe or whatever it is, INTV Europe, Intelligent Entertainment the U.S. So there was a subsidiary, uh, a separate company started uh, in Germany that Hans was the head of in order to help secure all that nice Bavarian grant money. Because otherwise they wouldn't have had games. They wouldn't have had money to get games made, uh, basically. Um, so that that's what Hans was in charge of doing that stuff. Hans, I mean, When you really uh, think about it and you think about all the money that they didn't get, even though they said they were, I, I would, I believe that the German grant money, I mean, that was, without the German grant money, this nothing. project would have never happened. No, that was the House of Cards, because that, that gave them all those earlier games. Like that, games, the packing games. They, them, they, right? they built themselves on a handful of student demos that were built with grant money. Uh, insane. Um, and then like buy plans. The other ones they're showing were, were going to be based on those grants. So uh, Hans, Hans, Hans supposedly uh, wiping his uh, history. Yeah, uh, uh, he deleted. Uh, most importantly, he deleted the. A uh, picture of him upon receiving the Amico uh, in the mail, the one that John Alvarado boxed up and we talked about. Um, 
uh, he said it was a unique and emotional experience. Oh yeah, to uh, arrive to have it arrive. He even specifically said to pull the HDMI cord and controllers out of the box, uh, hook it up, and play the fifteen uh, included games with my family. And said it was a unique and emotional day. He deleted that. He's cleaned up most of his Intellivision stuff in general. Uh, someone DM'd him and asked about the situation, and uh, he said, "Oh no, no, no! I'm still, uh, I'm still on at 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 Intellivision. Still on at Intellivision. Yeah. Uh, I've just taken a different role." These people are still talking to people like they think that like this is a big company. Like you don't. There's like three of you. There's three of you left. <laughs> what do you fucking do? Just sit around all day making up names for each other? This is my new role. Um, yeah, they've, they've been bleeding employees official. I mean, they've been bleeding on, on the LinkedIn. People have been tracking it on like the uh, television uh, Amico Reddit. Yeah, like charts. I think Gatorus was one who, who like was charting like when people were leaving the company, and then just the, the and, and that's only people that have changed their you know updated their LinkedIn. Because some people don't update their LinkedIn that they don't have many employees left like this is done it's done done yep well i wish i could find who who dm'd hans directly but yeah anyways so uh he's clearing stuff out doesn't obviously doesn't want you know important people to see it but he's still playing talking out of the other side of his mouth to people he still says that the game unasked un- about the games he uh offered up that the games are 100 percent cl- complete and perfect uh, and that he's still working to get the systems out to people. Keep the this, big, keep the big lie going, Hans. This is just what people have to say. Keep the big lie going. Don't ever admit that. Yeah, we're done. We have no money. We're going to declare bankruptcy. Well, everything. That's a different company than Intelligent Entertainment. Intelligent Entertainment will probably be declaring ba- bankruptcy if I had to predict basically on all the debtors they have. And good old Sadesh needs that money back too. You know, I, I need to point something <laughs> out though. So apparently on his LinkedIn profile, he said that uh, for a moment he said that he was working for Hollow Live. What is Hollow Ride? Well, hold on, hold on. Okay, Hollow Ride, uh, and he was going to be the principal uh, uh, producer. Would you like to know what Hollow Ride is? Because I I, I need someone to, to uh, hear me on this because it is the most insane fucking thing I've ever heard of. It is augmented reality for your car to make what it look like an amusement park when you are driving and there are games the uh, that is like the what how dangerous what? is that who the fuck thinks that's a good what? idea that can't, that's gotta be a joke that, that's a real thing hollow games ride. you will play games while you're driving not for the back seat people for like uh, up front up front yes what? No, that can't be real. Pat, look it up. Holoride. It's insane. I just, my jaw dropped Turning, last night. Holoride.com. H-O-L-O. Ride. Uh, ride.com. Turning vehicles into moving theme parks. We spend a lot of time on the go. Let's make it count. We believe that every journey should be enjoyed, like a trip to a theme park. Holoride gives you a fun and connected experience with every ride. Holoride takes everyday journeys and transforms the transform them into hyper immersive experiences but by combining navigational and car data with xr oh my fucking god what yes what it even says like you will what? feel one-to-one with the game as you turn the wheel of what? your car what what no this can't be real he wants to t- he wants to take the fucking video game in the tesla and put it through the windshield so that you're playing it as you drive there's literally a picture of a guy in the driving seat with a fucking and the pa- and the passenger, both of them with uh, with the fucking VR headsets on. Are, are, this AR is, goggles, yes. Uh, yeah, this is fucking insane. 
This is insane. Has this the can't... man ever had a fucking good idea in his life? <laughs> what, what? So if you if you run over a, a, a child in real life, so they'll a be fucking bl- points yeah. balloon. Is gonna they'll, be a little, little, they'll be little like dinosaur creatures, little cute dinosaurs. They'll be Kirby's. You you hit. Oh fuck! I think what? you can. Uh, people can read what? this. I think they insinuated something like, if you're playing games on your phone, that's dangerous. But if you're playing games with the windshield, that's different. <laughs> I'm like, the, the the video literally has people like looking like skeletons in the road. I'm looking at this video. Let me turn the music off here. They're driving. Yes. Dude. Okay. Okay. The person in the back seat puts it on. Okay, I can get on board if you're in the back seat. This can't be while you're driving. This can't be. The picture of them hasn't hasn't driving though. Yes, the picture does. Uh, it's that- dumb. It's dumb otherwise, but like to insinuate that people are going to be playing this while they're driving well, is insane. I'm going to assume they're not suicidal enough to say that drivers could be wearing this in the picture. Has the one thing about motion in a car, though. I was trying to watch a video on my phone. In the car I was starting to feel queasy because it's like one to one, and you try to refocus. Imagine VR. Which will never be one to one exactly in a car while you're moving. It won't. It'll be off a little bit. You're gonna get sick like instantly. I would say that, or close to it. You know what I mean? Like, remember, I remember playing the Radio Shack Highway game, getting sick, looking at that little screen of the car going back and forth. VR in a car, you're gonna throw up. You're, you're gonna throw up. It's gonna be. It's, this is nuts. Okay, looking at this picture, maybe that is not the front seat, but I sure fucking saw it as two people driving with it. And it doesn't yeah. say anywhere on here that it's for passengers. Okay, it just seems like a bad fucking idea. This is fucking terrible. Yes, because it, it, even if it's uh, not, even if the driver's not wearing the lens, if you're playing a game, you're totally gonna have multiple people in your car yelling at the driver, yes. "Turn left, turn right!" Like screaming. Yeah, and, and it's just like, can we have some interaction in real life while we're driving? Mm. Like. If I'm driving a car, I want to talk to someone next to me, not have them look. Oh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I don't know, ostriches out Ian in the distance. You know what like, game I used to like playing when what, I, we would go on road trips? What are you? You name an animal. Okay. Like elephant. Okay. Right. Elephant ends in T. Name okay. another animal. Uh, Tomcat. Yeah, and then you take that T. And it's, you, not, it's, not, it's not a real animal, Tomcat. So Tur- tiger. Turkey. Turkey. And then y. you get a Y. So you got to think of another y- animal. Yeti. Yak. Oh, yeah, that's a real one. Yeah, and you just keep going. Passes okay. the time. I, I, I'm, I'm in with that. Yeah, it's a good one. It's way safer. Well, I guess I guess what it comes down to is, like with the other people, like uh, Phil Adam, who was working with Mike Kenny at one point, you just have people that have a long track record of being involved with fucking terrible ideas that should be put out to pasture and shouldn't be working in any sort of form of business anymore. I mean, I'll just say that. You're just going from one banger hit to another, Ian. Wow. Yeah, you follow this fucking, like, if you follow, like, the degrees of relation, we go from the Coleco Chameleon to the Amico to... Polaride! Uh, Polaride. Just, just a fucking string of great ideas and geniuses. Can, can, can you get the Vivarian uh, grant money for Polaride there, Hans? You gonna try to do that? Since you can't get them from traditional investors? In order to prop up this bullshit? You fucking slime balls. Jesus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ian, big big news happened recently. Uh, 
Square Enix announced that they're selling off some uh, o- older IPs and studios. Yep. So Square is uh, selling off uh, much of their like Western property uh, properties to uh, Embracer Group. Um, Embracer Group, I believe, spawned from THQ Nordic uh, and maybe someone else. I know they've changed names a few times. Um, so Square uh, Embracer Group has agreed to pay three hundred million to Square Enix to acquire. Um, Studios like Eidos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, uh, Crystal Dynamics, and those would inc- uh, those would cover games like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Legacy of Kane, um, Thief. The old Eidos computer stuff, like Thief. I used to yep. love Thief so much. Um, all of that. Thief is great. It's oh, still great. fun. Oh, that was a good game. Um, yeah. So that's, like I said, that's all of their Western stuff. It always seemed weird to me that they had all of this Western stuff. I can't even remember when they acquired that. But I don't think it was ever their most popular stuff. It's probably a lot of, you know, money to hold on to. And uh, Square um, has a lot of new businesses that they would like to try. So, uh, so they're selling these to, to prop up a new business, Ian? Yeah, they're selling these to prop up a, a few new businesses. Um, one of the big ones that they want to do is they want to uh, get into AI uh but the big one is they want to do um blockchain games they still want to do nft stuff so they're selling off a bunch of their properties to fund uh these experimental dips into nft ai blockchain um which is basically the same thing and yeah uh they've already made a lot of moves doing this um can we go over the New Year's uh, letter from the president? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Where is that on here? If you want to go over it, go for it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put the link here, Ian. Uh, around New Year's, uh, Square Enix uh, announced – there's the letter, Ian. They announced that they want to go into this, down this avenue of blockchain and uh, NFTs. And um, we were we – were, uh, the, the backlash was fierce and swift then, as it has been with nearly every single NFT game announcement the past – Five months or so. Um, everyone, GameStop is putting in, uh, what was it, quarter billion dollars or 300 million into their NFT bullshit um, marketplace. It's 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 the way to go when you want to try to grab uh, money from idiots, because that's who they are. They're all marks so yeah. getting into this. Uh, so you know you're going to get some people, but by and large, most people aren't stupid um, and, and want to keep their money they have and not get, get you know, grifted. Um. So this was the, the, from the from the president. Uh, what was this? Um, Yosuke Masuda. The metaverse was a hot topic in 2021. Facebook changed its name in October to Meta. The metaverse garnered so much attention that 2021 was dubbed the metaverse year. I didn't dub it that. I don't know who the fuck dubbed it the metaverse. Yeah, year. never, what never, the, never what, dubbed it. What that. advances happened in 2021 that the metaverse became adopted or people gave a shit about it? Besides an awful uh, commercial that, that 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 Facebook put out once they changed the name to Meta that everyone made fun of. Um, Talked about XR uh, technology. Talks about NFT here. Um, we unveiled it in May 2020. Uh, identified uh, the medium-term business strategy. We unveiled in May 2020. Identified AI, the cloud, and blockchain games as new domains on which we should focus our investments. And we have subsequently been aggressive in our R and D efforts and investments in those areas. And goes into blockchain games, be they single player or online games, have traditionally involved a unidirectional flow whereby creators such as ourselves provide a game to the consumers that play them. By contrast, blockchain games, which have emerged from their infancy and are at this very moment entering a growth phase, are built upon the premise of a token economy, 
token economy and therefore hold the potential to enable self-sustaining game growth. The driver that most enables such self-sustaining game growth is diversity, both in how people engage with interactive content like games and in their motivations and in their motivations for doing so. Yeah, self-sustaining game growth, just like that Ubisoft game that got shut down after selling 27 NFTs. When they say when they say self sustaining, they're talking about in game economies. They're talking yes. about the whatever token uh, or, or whatever token attached to the game increasing in value. That's what this is saying. It's not even trans. It's it's like it's so transparent. They can't even pretend. Um, advances in token tokenetic economies will likely add further momentum to this trend of diversification. I see the quote play to earn concept that's people so excited as a prime example of this. I don't have to read further. No. Than that. No, he wrote in a letter just to, to, to say what Decrypt says as well. The, it contrasts people who play to have fun and play to contribute. It suggests that the latter is possible in blockchain games where NFT assets may earn token rewards based on their gameplay. But we've already seen how successful that is. Uh, both between lack of interest, like the Ubisoft games, or something like Axie Infinity that lost uh, like three quarters of a billion dollars. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's not stable either. I, the only thing I can say about this is, um, yeah, they've been hacked twice the past, uh, month and a half. Axie has been, uh, been hacked twice. Oh, uh, excuse me. Once. They were yes, hacked. once. Oh, yeah. Okay. We talked about that briefly. Once. Oh, there was an update to it. Okay. Yeah. It would take several years to recover some of the funds. That was an April update. Okay. Um, shit lost, lost where I was going with that. Yeah, but anyways, uh, we've we've seen that whether through hacking or not, that this is not something. Uh, it's, not, it's not it's not stable, um, and at this point, we've already started to see just in terms of the uh, amount of discourse generated, uh, people are losing interest, and they're losing interest fast. And to me, this looks like good money being thrown after bad. I think what yes. happened is is a lot of people invested in this heavily a year ago. And now they see the interest waning, so now they're throwing more money into it to try to keep their initial investment worth something. I think that's what's happening here. I don't think there's actually any desire for crypto tech, uh, uh, you know, uh, NFT games or blockchain games. This at this point is them trying to regain or recoup some of the money they've already lost. One of my favorite British sayings being, in for a penny, in for a pound. Right. Like you said, throw it, sunken, false, uh, sunken cost fallacy. fallacy. Yeah, throwing good money after bad. Well, we're stuck. Yeah, GameStop. Maybe you should have been in on this. Uh, you could have made some money off the NFT marketplace. You know, a, a year, a year over a year ago. Now you're you're trying to get this off the ground now when it's going to be dead. And it just seems like one there. of the strongest fallacies that people always fall for too. And I mean, it's very not get to in early, not to not to just try to wedge it into something, but it's it's similar with the Amico. People get so invested in something, whether it's emotionally or physically or mentally, that they cannot oh. see the forest for the trees. Sure. Um, so pl- play to earn concept. I see the play to earn concept as people so excited as a prime example. I don't know who's excited for play to earn. Like I don't know like. Like so, well, I mean that's uh, yeah that's that's what the NFT games are called. I mean that's uh, essentially what you're doing. But yeah, I mean, it, there's obviously the, some the, people out there playing them. But I don't. No one's ever talked to me about an NFT game. I don't know anyone personally playing. The, one. the gambit is that it'll be worth. It'll be first of all, it has to be fun still to get people into it a little bit. But now, sure. here's the thing: you can then uh, earn uh, earn your tokens in the game, and then it has real world world value. You can trade around, but. If if there's not a real world use for something, at some point the value underpinning it 
in terms of dollars disappears like nfts there's a reason that nfts have crashed by and large except for like a couple of they call the blue chippers the big ones like the fucking dumb apes because those are the ones that jimmy fallon fucking puts on a show or you know lady gaga owns one or whoever the hell else celebrity has one enough lady gaga has one but whatever the point is is that without the hype and without people thinking that it has some sort of use like in the game there's no there's no monetary value involved and then you're not earning anything anymore you're just wasting your time right and it's like we said Um, about the ubisoft thing when we talked about it last week or two weeks ago the game goes down yeah sure technically you own an nft but i mean who the fuck wants it can you do anything with it no it's like having confederate currency exactly um I used to have that old currency. We used to go to the historical places. You'd buy a little pack of old, oldie timey uh, currency. Yeah. Um, I, I think what makes this so weird and damning is that they have these properties that they are selling. Like Tomb Raider is still very viable. They make mo- they, this made movies out of them the past few years. Like there's right. they just they just rebooted it. What was it? Five years ago? Whenever they, like. They can make money with Tomb Raider still, and they're selling that off. Like, yeah, it's just so weird. I think Tomb Raider is uh, the one that probably holds the most value. I don't know that a lot of the other stuff does, which is, I, I started to say this. I'm happy at least that there's the money that they're using to fund this bullshit is coming from stuff that they've sold off, as opposed to I would hate it if they started using money that they had. Uh, earmarked out. Basically, I'm glad they they took the money from selling this stuff as opposed to trying to get into NFT heavily yeah. and then cutting the budgets for other stuff and then putting out you know their the, the series that have yeah. been well good Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy stuff like that turning to shit because they don't have the the funds. Well, and at least Embracer will probably do something with these properties. They're buying it for a reason. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Embracer Embracer will. I mean, they're going to get their money back on Tomb Raider. Deus Ex, I don't know. I guess you can do some remasters and try to revitalize that, I guess. Legacy of Kane, I mean, that was popular at one point in time. That had, you know, had, had some success. All of that stuff, if it put um, out a new game, it would do well enough. It would do okay. Yeah, it would do fine. I, I think I played Legacy of Kane in the PC, in the PC version, I believe. It was like My three, younger was brother was, was really into Was there those. two or three of those? There's more than three. Okay, I had like I think I had this. I think I had the second one on on the. uh, It's Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver one and two, and then uh, Blood Omen two. Okay, I think I had. I think I had one of the Reaver ones on PC. Whatever that was, fifteen, seventeen years ago. It was pretty fun. I don't know if I beat it. Um, so three hundred. When you look at three hundred million, um, that's actually not a huge amount when you include Tomb Raider. Because, like I said, if you can still put out a, a movie franchise, then that's worth it probably almost on its surface. But you can make Tomb Raider games probably still and have them be popular if they're good. Sure, that's that's a huge. That's one of the one of the most popular characters probably created from the nineties. Um, yeah, and the reboots were supposed to be good. So I mean, she's kind of back in the public yeah. image. There was a there was a eight, five to ten year period there where Nothing games of hers came out and no one cared. But uh, yeah, ever since ever since the reboot, it's been pretty well reviewed. Um, what was what were they, were they announcing a new one? Uh, April fifth. There was April fifth last month. They said a new Tomb Raider is coming, built on Unreal Engine five. So I guess, trust me, if they're buying this for three hundred million, you're going to see a new Tomb Raider game. They're yeah. going to make their money back. Oh yeah, like like almost immediately, they're going to make a lot of it back. Uh, right there. So because they did what they did two two new ones or three. There's 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 two new Tomb Raiders. There's not three yet. I don't believe. And there's two new movies. I can't keep track of the that. I I, I you. Uh, you would have to tell me that. <laughs> Tomb Raider uh, movie franchise. Uh, two th- uh, there was 2018. That was the first one, um, which I, I forgot came out. 
there was okay, there was just the one. Probably maybe COVID screwed it up. Um, is it going to do a sequel? Did it make enough money? It didn't get great reviews. Fifty-two percent Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Tomb Raider fr- reboots the franchise with a more grounded approach and a star who's more than so. Maybe the they can't do a movie franchise uh, anymore. Sequel. They are doing a sequel. It hasn't been uh, greenlit yet. Well, there you go. Um, and Misha Green, the star, confirmed that she had the first draft of the script uh, last year, calling called Tomb Raider Obsidian. So there's a script for the sequel. Oh, okay. So uh, Tomb Raider, you can make money on people. People love Laura. I mean, people love her. Polygon boobs or not, they love her. It's just the way it is. Come on, the nineties. Yeah, no, I mean that's <laughs> uh, they definitely toned that down though. That's no longer her. That's no longer her gimmick. <laughs> so long that give it. They they went they went to more realistic. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anything else? I just get discouraged when these companies. I mean, Square Enix has such a long history of good games, and when would you imagine they've bounced back in a good number of ways over the past couple of years too some quality final fantasy stuff both online and single player so yeah it is it is disheartening to to see this i mean you know i mean the pain on your face when they're going to announce a you know uh play to earn dragon's quest you know like you're gonna exactly like that's where we're that's where we're looking in the face basically (sighs) i mean we are we're potentially looking at it because like because if they do it for a game no one heard of yeah there it's it's more likely to fail if they do it with a final fantasy game you're going to get some people at least playing it. You're going to have yeah. backlash, but some people go, oh, okay, I like Final Fantasy. I'll check it out. Sorry, Ian. You're going to see, you're going to see little slime tokens show up soon uh, that'll be worth money. It's kind, of, it's kind of sick when you think about it. I'm not pleased. Ian, we got a Patreon. We do. Patreon.com slash podcast. You go. You uh, pay. You get the full video podcast. You get uh, but multiple, bonus. multiple. You get bonus segments. Multiple writings by me a month. Uh, this week was Pat. Thank you, Pat, because I was out of town. And uh, car troubles prevented us from getting anywhere timely. Um, we also uh, do these poll topics. And we do hangouts once a month. Yeah. So, yeah. Good times. Okay. Here's the... Uh, Here's this week's. This is close. This is good, close. Forty-eight percent. Do you get offended when others dislike retro games you love? Forty-eight percent. That would have been a larger conversation, not just yes or no. We would have talked about psychology about that, by the way. Uh, and in the first place, uh, this is also a larger conversation about, I guess, the movement of retro gaming. With Portland Retro Gaming Expo returning, how will it be different three years later? And the reason we bring this up is, is because a lot of things have happened since the pandemic started. Yeah, a lot of things have happened since the pandemic started. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's going to be a very big convention, uh, bigger than it's ever been. Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, we talked about this a little bit when you're talking about Milwaukee. But as far as East Coast or West Coast is concerned, it's probably the biggest. And I would say it's the biggest overall. And I would say nationally, it's it, probably the most important. It's the biggest retro gaming convention by far. Yeah, you get. 15,000 people up to 20,000 throughout the weekend. It's big. Yeah. I love to go up into the, um, like the green room area where you can get like coffee and, and whatnot. Overlook and everything. there's that window that you can overlook and, uh, you know, you can see everything. Um, also, I think uh, a lot of the vendors, <coughs> people generally bring a lot to Portland. Hearing you talk about Milwaukee, <coughs> in my experience, at SoCal, um, Portland is usually where the good stuff goes. Uh, where the good, you mean in terms of like the marquee stuff? Yeah, for like selling and whatnot. Okay. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of empty booths by Sat. Well, by Saturday, 
night. I mean, it's a three day event, but Friday is only yeah, the Friday's, arcade. Friday is mostly the arcade. I think I think everything is going to sell very quickly. Um, I think people are in a buying mood. I know I was when I was at um, SoCal. Uh, I know that you said, I mean, you were talking about how you sold out of stuff by midday on Saturday at MGC. Books were gone by 2 p.m. Uh, people are happy to be out again. People have not done this in a long time. And um, people are spending. People are buying to buy. I think people are buying to support, but I think they're just happy to be out and they want to buy something. Maybe they didn't spend that money. You know, you don't go conventions for over two and a half years. You have the money sort of saved up or allocated, maybe. Maybe you realize, oh, this is coming back. I'll keep it set here some people just like some people don't want to buy things until they go to a convention they can buy it online it's not it's not the same experience going out and buying the games it's not the same you want to go hunt for things you don't just go on ebay and click search for something that's part of it i understand that as well um well people are spend happy i also do think we're going to see kind of the upper limit of what people will tolerate in terms of prices for certain things that's a good point because as i as i said at socal i was shocked how how much some people were selling things for same things that I had. Like I had, you know, NES action set I sold. I had the Super Nintendo Killer Instinct set. And I almost thought like I was like getting taken for a ride because people were, were asking two to three times more what I was selling my stuff for. Yeah. I wasn't selling though. That's right. the thing. It was on the shelf. You I put, mean, it was still there. So you, you look at it and it's like you, uh, you combine the fact that people are being spend happy right now with the fact that coming out of the pandemic and the way the video game prices are, I think we're going to see people really pushing it this year. If people in this sort of buying mode aren't buying your stuff at that price yes i think that i think after that this is going to be a pinnacle point i think where not everything is going to come down i i I don't believe in this fast deflation but i think we're going to maybe see the maximum of what we're going to see i'm slightly i'm slightly more bearish than you i i think because we're still six months away five months away i think you know by that point uh, in time you might be right it might be the point where because we we saw this in 19 Remember, yeah. in 19, we saw people not buying things that they they, they, they saw. Yes, yeah. but I, I mean, I'm just saying this is a, a perfect storm because in 2019, there was no reason that people had been to conventions. There was no reason they were spending extra. Sure. So the fact that people want to spend extra now, if your prices aren't moving, then yes. you've really you've really missed the mark. Yes. So the, the game is going to be, are they going to spend more because they haven't been out there? Will the prices, like you said, will the prices be too high where it's like, that's even too high for me? I'm, I'm priced out. Yeah, because like when I started going back to conventions last year and seeing like Genesis and Super Nintendo games and NES games being two to three times that I remembered, I'm like, wow, okay, all right, are people going to be buying all these? Like, if, if a, a dealer has a thousand games out there and they're two to three times on average what they used to be in, in 19, are you going to get people buying those, or we're going to see a correction happen on some of this? And I, I I think we're definitely in a new bubble. It's a it's definitely a bubble because it, it was deflating. Yes, we talk about the price deflate. I mean, Ian talks about. I think he said like he saw Earthbound. No one buying Earthbound uh, in, in nineteen. It was sitting there. Yeah, um, I, I saw. No, it wasn't even at like a stupidly high price. It was it was more than it should have been, but it wasn't insanely like, high. Like two hundred or something. It was like yeah, it was like it was it was convention priced probably at like two hundred or two twenty when it probably should have been one eighty. Someone could have talked it down, but the fact that no one had. The and fact that it was still there. The fact that it was still there. I mean, Earthbound never makes it through. I didn't, at least not yeah. in the not in the early to mid. No, uh, not, not in the twenty tens. I, I did not notice an Earthbound in the past convention at all. I didn't notice right one. in so, the box or go. loose. I did not notice one uh, at all. And the Genesis games were sitting there. Super Nintendo games were sitting there in two thousand nineteen. I never. I remember. I believe it was Double Jump. Uh, those fine folks there. Um, I looked at their. They had their marquee case, Ian, of all the quote unquote like 
top tier NES games, uh, Bonk's Adventure, Power Blade 2, you know, stuff in the several hundred dollar range, let's say $300 up. And I went on Friday, I went on Saturday and on Sunday, I noticed they were all there. They're all there. Uh, just about. And I said, are these selling? Uh, are these ones? I like, no, they're not. They're not. They're not moving. They've been moving. So that told me that people are people have enough and they're priced out or a combination of that. So now the pandemic happens. Like Ian, we've gone over this a thousand times. People uh, want something to do. Stim- there's more stimulus money, perhaps. People are at spend, home. Yeah. They're looking in their yeah. closets. They're digging up old shit. Everyone and their mother had another year. Uh, Need something to relationship do. with the Wii. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it was just you needed something to do, and that's when people because start you're sitting around, you start looking it up. You start seeing it's worth money. The prices go up. People, yes. get, it's it gave it, it gave it gave it a shot in the arm. The stuff from the 80s and 90s, like yep. a, one last shot in the arm. So yes, because Nintendo, especially NES, was certainly on its way down in 2019. It absolutely was. I talked for 99 percent of the games. Yeah, I, it absolutely was. And I'll get into arguments with people. As I've been going to conventions since 2010, I see the trends. I'm not going to lie when I said I don't ever like there. to like boast, but I worked uh, in a fucking video yeah. game store for 15 but, years. But there's people out there trying to take shots and say we don't know what we're talking about. It's like, dude, I mean, I, I watched uh, it. I watched. I watched uh, people come in and I watched 10 people come in to buy NES games every day. Down to I'm lucky if I sell a stack of NES games in a week, and yeah. the prices just aren't there. We cannot ask for the same prices. Sure. And then the pandemic helped, obviously. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's like yeah. Go back to supercars. The example Ian always brings up. Love like, supercars uh, as an example. It's a shitty top-down racer, but I love them. But, but it's it's, 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 it's it's very hard to find. Yeah. And I mean, I I couldn't get rid of it for twenty bucks at, before the um, pandemic yeah. hit. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you couldn't probably keep a game like that. No, I, I, anything like that got super popular. Like a Motor City Patrol or a game that's like uncommon and worth a little bit or rare or worth a little bit more. I had a Motor City Patrol and I priced it at like next to nothing because the label had a rip in it and it just sat there for like a year and didn't move. It was around 2019. And that would tell that's me that, a game that someone would have snapped up immediately in 2015. That's a game you won't find easily. Right. You know, the, you go to a gaming convention, you might find one of those or two, like, yeah. like, like a bases loaded four, like a game that's very uncommon or rare, mm-hmm. where you have to like search high. You're not going to find it at the flea market easily. A game like that, like, yeah. you're going to be looking forever. So, with all that said, what about the graded games? Because obviously, in 2019, Wada had a huge presence there. You know, lots of things have happened. This is not to sound. Oh, is that neg- computer making a sound for once? Yeah. Oh, this is not to sound negative to Portland, but Portland being the biggest convention, you are more likely to have people come to Portland who would be interested in that. Portland You're gather there. Yes, people. Portland brings all the collectors together, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like there are conventions that definitely feel more like they're for in all things. In all things. All hobbies, there are conventions that feel more geared towards the people who are concerned about the price and pristineness of something. And then there are, uh, you know, conventions that are more guaranteed to the people who are just into stuff to have. It's for records. It's for video games. It's for memorabilia. Anything like that. So you're more likely to get all the the, the, the WADA or excuse me, the graded game dealers and also the speculators will come out at that one. And honestly, I can't make a prediction for I mean, I'll leave I that either. to you. I, uh, I can't either. Be, 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 I, I mean, I just know what I see. I just know that there are too many games. Uh, before the pandemic, people, you know, you had like five or six people buying up as much as they could. They knew because they knew that they knew what was coming. Sure. They knew it. Yeah. Um, I talked about that uh, in Carl Job's video. I talked about about that, including a guy that graded for them buying everything. Guy works for the fucking company buying up stuff. And I'm looking at this guy like, why is he putting games in, in the back? Is he going to grade them? Dumb patch. I realize, oh, I, Pat thinks people have ethics. 
I assume people have ethics. That's my mistake. My mistake for, for thinking this was on the up and up. Not my mistake there back in 2019. What do I know? Talking, talking to the guy that creates it, saying, yeah, we're going to do this the right way. What the fuck do I know? Getting lied to to my face, right? What do I know? Anyway, but I've been at enough conventions to see that, uh, that almost no one buys greater games. Talked about it uh, being next to a dealer at Long Island. I was going to say, even going back to Long Island, that you didn't have. I mean, he he even said to you. I mean, it was a nice guy. But Very yeah, nice it was guy. Just like, yeah, Super yeah nice I think guy, he sold Dan. like three things all weekend. Yeah, so, yeah, you make connections, but like you don't sell anything. Right. I was just at uh, this convention. Milwaukee was was pretty big. Uh, almost no one was selling grading games. Maybe one or two people. SoCal, there was only a couple people. Selling. But you don't see people walking around with them or buying them. Yeah, you SoCal didn't have a lot either. Um, and then at the WADA booth for consignment, I think I said I saw all weekend. I had time, especially uh, later Saturday or Sunday, because I didn't have much there. Took a, took a little break, walked around. Uh, maybe one or two people I saw sitting down talking to to uh, to uh, uh, WADA all weekend. Right. So yeah. it, just, it just it just was what it was. It just was what it was. So I think that it might be. Well, here's the other thing too. They weren't a pariah back in 2019. No. Now they are. Yes. So you, I think that is that was actually something I meant to mention. <laughs> I did okay. it. Yes, that is one of the bigger differences. Is back then, water was still kind of this. It's interesting. Is optim- I viewed it with skepticism, optimism. but I, I mean, I still thought that they were at least better than VG. I, yeah. I still thought that we it gave was, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we gave them the benefit of the doubt. We should enough looking back. I don't feel bad for it. I, no. I don't want to be cynical all the time. But yes, I did give them the benefit of the doubt because a lot of the bad behavior hadn't started yet. Then yeah. it started happening. Then it was then it was in full gear. Uh, right there um, with the with the Pawn Star stuff and everything else happening um, and, and all these fucking articles that did no due diligence at all about all the relations between people. So uh, they'll probably still uh, be there since it's under new ownership. Yes. But like the, the PR damage has been catastrophic to them. And we don't know by the fall if we're going to be in the midst of some sort of litigation. Uh, five notes. So we have no idea. So it'll be interesting to see that in terms of what you know, litigation what pe- moves. slow. Sure. I don't know why you'd say it. You know, why would you have knowledge of that? But uh, but but what's what's interesting though is that also we're going to see even because even three years ago we saw the the changing of what people are interested in. Now three years later, if we thought NES was old three years ago, now it's fucking ancient. And now it's like you said, it's going to be stuff in the two thousands. PS two, OG Xbox. That's going to be more what's <laughs> focused on. But then again, with with, yeah. the, with with people getting back into it, it might be a mix because I definitely in two thousand nineteen saw. For the first time, rows of green cases of OG Xboxes for sale and PS2, like it was more dominant versus the eight and six of stuff. Now, yeah, I, think it, I mean, it, it seems weird to us, but yes, yes. The, 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 the booths that used to have the piles of NESs for sale are now going to have as many, I promise you, as many PS2s as they can scrounge up in time for that because the PS2s are going to fly. Yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, even older and three years is a long time for, for sort of a collectible hobby or for games and uh yeah it's going to be interesting to see that i'm not going to say it's be the majority but maybe closer to 50 50 of you know 80s and 90s versus 2000 stuff it'll be more of a shift towards that mm-hmm. seeing the difference because I, I definitely i definitely was starting to shoot, see it a little see it a little bit in 2019 i won't be saying probably won't be seeing the the one dollar nes bins that i was seeing in 2019 though in two dollar bins i think i saw one one person in milwaukee did have that for some games but well, I mean, what about uh, in terms of uh, just in terms of quote unquote influencers? You're gonna have some uh, newer kids there. You get a little Scott the Waz uh, maybe there, like the more, more of them. Uh, I have no idea. Younger uh, Zoomer sort of uh, people versus us. Maybe it's because I don't pay attention to it, but I just I personally feel like that 
I, I said this to someone in conversation the other day. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was John. But uh, I, I feel like YouTube in general isn't as popular as it once. I feel like having personalities out to conventions isn't as popular as it once was. Or maybe it's all just younger people and I don't realize it. It could just be that I don't pay attention. I'd be interested in seeing who they have out. I really would. And I, I mean, I think it's time to get some of the younger blood in there to get people to go to that convention and keep 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 a younger audience coming as you get older people who will lose interest sure. in it and stop going. You know, you want right. to be able to bring in younger crowds. Yeah, he wants to send us, send us to the dog track. So we're saying we're done. Yeah. We're- yeah, send us to the glue factory. <laughs> so, Jesus, Ian, just kill us off. That's what he's saying. Um, no, I, I, having gone now to Portland, this will be my 12th year, or I guess 10th one in 12 years, whatever, missing two of them. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting with the three-year layoff to see different. We're going to see mostly, well, you'll see a chunk of the same venues. You're going to see new vendors. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll be there. We'll be there in spirit and, and physically. No, I there. will. I will be there one hundred percent. I would never miss it. Not I, from not I for will, anything. I will try to enjoy it a little more. Well, I couldn't enjoy it last time because I might have had COVID. Who knows what the fuck I had that weekend? But I was I was hopped up on acetaminophen the entire weekend. Ian knows that they'd have put my microphone up to like seventy five decibels. Yeah. So he remember you couldn't hear me. Yep. I my know. voice was gone. I thought, oh, I'm just I'm just talking a lot. No, I was sick. It was a combination of things. Um. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know that I'm going to have a lot of stuff to sell this year, unless I decide to just completely axe off an entire uh, collection. So, really, yeah, I, I we, hope we, I hope to. Well, you know, I hope to walk around. We, we might have the CU podcast uh, sound uh, keychain. Thing. I'm looking into those right now, and unfortunately, I'm just really unhappy with all of the options I can find through AliExpress and stuff like that. I looked for, for like I, I looked for like two hours the other day, and I couldn't find shit. So I'm still looking. I All like right. the idea. I just, I got to start looking into some different avenues. If anyone out there creates a little keychain thing with multiple sound buttons on it, that looks decent. That's what we're going to, we want to do for the sound button. Well, I, I mean, ideally I want to do exactly that. And yeah, do you like do a two. single one? Yeah, do two. Do one with do- something I say and one with something you say. Sell them as a pack. Hey, who makes these out there? Get in touch with us. We can, we can, we can get them. To- anyway, is there a company on here? Okay, I we'll, think, we'll think they were Namco Bandai. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll get... We'll, yeah, I don't think I'm getting a production run from Namco Bandai, but I think that's who did them. Maybe I can ask Pearl. Used to work there. <laughs> yeah, Pearl, you got any production uh, <laughs> hookups? All right. Well, that was a fun topic, Ian. It was. This segment of the CU Podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and you can too if you care about the security and safety of your online presence. Take control of your online experience today with NordVPN. I've used NordVPN when traveling, accessing public Wi-Fi at airports, restaurants, the library, cafe, or just when I want internet privacy at home. And now you can step up your cybersecurity with threat protection, the latest feature from NordVPN. When you turn threat protection on, it protects you from malicious sites, downloads, trackers, and intrusive ads. Threat protection is constantly on the lookout even if you're not connected to a VPN. NordVPN has a host of other benefits. All of your internet data stays safe behind a wall of next-generation encryption. They have a strict no-logs policy. They don't track, collect, or share your private data. It's really none of their business. VPN servers are everywhere. You can choose from 5,400-plus servers in 59 countries. You can enjoy the internet with no limits or borders. And they welcome P2P. You can share large files with no hassle thanks to hundreds of secure P2P servers. Worldwide access allows you to enjoy instant secure access to hundreds of streaming websites worldwide. 
One account lets you connect up to six devices, and you can secure them all in any combination. It's just a click. Using NordVPN is as simple and intuitive as making your morning coffee. Take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. Right now, you can get a two-year plan at a huge discount, plus one additional month for free when you go to nordvpn.com slash podcast. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash podcast, or click the link in the description below. Let's do some uh, listener voicemails. It's a voicemail. Getting a little late, but we got to get some done. We got to answer the questions the people have. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. That's right. Ian gave the point there. Try to keep it short and sweet, and I love you for it. Uh, first one here. This is Paul from Raleigh and C. Hi, Paul. So the two of you have just been cast in a new Bill and Tez Excellent Adventure reboot. Only instead of rock and roll, it's about the PC game Civilization Two. And the two of you are competing against each other in the finals in a two-versus-two match. Which historic world leader would each of you travel back in time to get as your teammate? And who do you think would win the match? Paul, I love your questions. It requires too much thinking, though, every time I hear them. I got to, like, th- I gotta like role-play when I listen to these questions. Okay, we're doing a competition two-on-two, and we both get two world leaders to compete against each other at Civ 2. Is that what he just said? I think. Okay. Anyway, my answer is Teddy Roosevelt. <clears throat> Good old, you like go, Teddy? We're going Fierce, with Ted. Big stick? Yeah. That's the first one. We're going with Bull Moose. I thought it was oh, just, just one. No, we oh. each pick one. Oh, okay. Well, I love Honest Abe. All right. Not, not, not overrated at, at all out there. You know who I'm talking about. Um, a, a versus, hey, we, we, we got, uh, we got, uh, wait, wait, yeah, Teddy's on the, on the Rushmore, isn't he? No, he's not. It's, it's uh, Franklin. Yeah. It's his younger cousin on there. Sorry yeah. about that, Teddy. We almost got there. You want Washington on there? Wooden teeth, Washington? No. <laughs> Dumb wooden teeth. All right. Uh, next one here. Hi, Pat. This is Garrett again from Alabama. Hey, Garrett. You've mentioned the inevitable Tommy Tallarico Amico documentary several times now. Um, as a filmmaker and as a writer, oh. Oh. are you interested oh. in doing it? Why don't you do it? Maybe it'd be bad if you did it. I don't know. I'd watch it. What do you think? Was it like half dare, half. I think it is a dare. Because I, I, I got others. I got to still do a, get a book finished. I have another long term project. I can't do everything. Um, also, I think the best documentary is going to need to come from someone a bit more partial. Not partial, but someone who wasn't involved. Impartial. Be- impartial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, because ideally, you would get word from. In television. Oh, yeah. You want empl- ex employees. You, you want you ex want employees. And you want to talk to Tommy, try to want, spin right, things. Try to get, you want to get Tommy's take on it. And sure. there's no way we would ever get that done. Uh, no, we wouldn't. Uh, we wouldn't. It would be tough. Um, obviously, I could put some phantom money in, but I mean, like, I probably would. Just, just, but yeah. All right. Next one here. Hey, Pat. Ah, hey, Ian. Ah. This is Probably. Will out of Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Just got through watching episode 311 of the CU podcast, where y'all talk about your disdain for the show Nick Arcade. And the mention of Nick Arcade jarred up a memory of a similar show that I used to watch in the mid-90s called Masters of the Maze. It came on the Family Channel, no and I remember as a kid desperately wanting to be on that show. I remember the contestants got to wear this like cybernetic armor that I thought was really, really cool. And I wanted to ask you all, was there a mid-90s or early-90s kids game show that you wish you could have competed on? 
Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah. To this day, I wish I could run through the Funhouse Funhouse. To the day. Today. <laughs> I, 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 oh, absolutely. The Funhouse Funhouse to me yeah, that looked great. was the pinnacle yes. of what you – like I loved Double Dare, loved Mark Summers, yes, but it, but the the Funhouse Funhouse made the obstacle course look like fucking nothing. Yeah. No, the, the, the whole thing with the obstacle course was we're going to put some slime on a tongue or something and you just slide down it and get a flag or, 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 or go to a giant oversized waffle. No, the Funhouse Funhouse is amazing and we should research to see if, if those parts still exist. It'd be a shame. I'm fucking looking exist. it up right now. Uh, so Masters of the Maze was hosted by Mario Lopez. Um, I did not have family channel, so I never heard of it. They, they dress up. It looks like the contestant kids dressed up like in these like spacesuits. And then um, what the hell they do? They put a they put a VR. They put a camera on their helmet and they walk through something blindfolded to find. I guess a maze blindfolded. No, th- I'm sorry. This looks. This is not fun house. This is not fun house. This is this is this is bargain bin fun house. They're walking around. Oh, they're oh. I think their partner's telling them which way to go while they're walking around blindfolded. No, that's not fun house. I'm sorry. I'm glad you liked it though. All right, next one. Uh, my basement recently flooded, and while I was working on getting that all fixed up, I had a thought. Don't you think that the three point shot in the NBA is a little over centralizing in the current meta game? Uh, what do you think that the NBA should do to address that? Should they move the line back a bit, make it only worth two and a half points, get rid of the three-point foul shot? I don't know. Just curious what you think about that. I don't think, think they should. Uh, the game is more popular than it's ever been. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they should do anything. I don't. I, I, I hear a lot of this, t- I, I, and no disrespect to you, how you feel on it, but I've heard a lot of talk about the three-point shot ruining basketball, and I think it's no. all f- bullshit. No, it's more exciting. It's the most exciting shot. In bas- I mean, like, it's exciting. Yeah. No, Are you I, kidding me? I do not think uh, that they should yeah, change any of that. If you want to say get rid of the, the shortest three-point shots in the corner, that is a little bit easier. And, and, the, and the percentages go up sure. in, uh, into like the 40s usually on that. If you wanted to say get rid of like the end of it, but you can't do that in the space and be fucked up on the floor. You can't do that. No one ever, no one ever take a, take a two point shot from the corner ever again. Um, so you can't do anything. Like this is just this is the way it is. You got to accept it. Yep. Because you got to accept it. And you still have inside play. Joel Embiid was an MVP runner up, and he does hit threes, but he's an inside player traditionally. Giannis plays inside. Now we're on a sports podcast. The game, the game is as exciting as it ever was. Some people, it is too offensive minded for some people. They did change rules in the past year to get rid of like some of the the bullshit fouls where you jump into a guy unnaturally. They got rid of those. And I do. I, you know, I, so I, I'm they, happy for they, that. They yeah. evened it out more. I prefer. I, I want to see a little more defense. You can't get rid of three foul shots on a three point attempt. Otherwise, you'd always be fouling a guy taking the three for two points. Yep. So you can't do that. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> hey Pat. Hey Ian. Um, just got a quick question. I I don't know if you guys have answered a similar question before. We have. Uh, you know, I, I use video games as maybe like a stress relief or an outlet. I'm just wondering maybe what's some games you guys like to play when, you know, maybe you're upset or, or angry or something and you, you just, I don't know, you just want to play something. We do this one a lot, but it's an easy answer for me and I don't mind saying it each time just because if it helps you, great, it helps you. Uh, when I'm feeling miserable, upset, sad, whatever, uh, I play Pokemon or I play a first person dungeon crawler like Etrian Odyssey, Wizardry, Something like that. Uh, I, I play the grindiest thing that I can possibly find. Okay. I don't get upset, so I don't do it. <laughs> hey, Pat and Ian. Uh, this is 8-Bit. I'm a chiptune composer, A-P-E-B-I-T. I actually met you guys at uh, 
Portland Retro Gaming Expo a few times. Nice. Anyways, my question is, uh, out of all the handheld systems from days past, uh, which ones do you think hold up the best? Microvision. Like, uh, you know, some of them with the screens and whatnot are pretty terrible. Uh, so they're pretty hard to go back to unless you're emulating or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which ones? I mean, if you want my, my take on what, like, the best models of things are, I mean, I, I, I think the Game Boy and the Neo Geo Pocket Color are my two favorites. Game Boy has a lot of pick-up-and-play stuff. Neo Geo Pocket Color specifically holds up well because the fighting games play great, and it has that thumbstick. They, they, they just they play fantastically, so it holds up well over time, um, and it's a very unique thing that even uh, even on the analog pocket will never be recreated perfectly because the analog pocket has the d-pad instead of the the micro switch sure. joystick um <clears throat> as far as my favorite models of those like because you mentioned screens being bad uh it's not a backlit system but i do think the game boy pocket is a beautiful oh, yeah. beautiful screen uh, uh, it's truly and monochrome instead yeah, of no green. monochrome instead of the the green yeah. uh, i i love it i love it i love it um the game boy light is also really cool but as an owner of the Pikachu one, uh, the backlight does deteriorate over time, oh. and you start to kind of see where, like, the cell where that light comes from, uh, you you can see where, like, it, it almost, like, wears out. You can see, like, a, a, a ring behind it. Yeah, the the SP... Uh, oh, the SP-101 101 was might very be great, the too. greatest handheld ever, over, like, to me. Like, you have three, con- three platforms, great form factor on it. It's perfect size. I think that might be the all-time. If you had to pick me, like, what's the all-time best model? For, uh, it'd be that one. There's a reason why they go for, like, now they're over $100 to get a 101. Backlit. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. No one plays on an original Game Boy Advance. That's, like, forgotten. Like, that's, well, like, if people do, but they add backlight mods. Yeah. Some people, like, yeah, I sure. personally like the wider grip, but yeah. it sucks unless yeah, you have a backlight. You can't play it on its own. Hi, Patty. And how does old Delvey Amigo... Uh, situation situation has caused me to quote the angry video game nut. What were they thinking? We don't know what they were thinking. We have no idea. They don't even know what they were thinking. They have no clue. That's probably probably the problem. From the Sega Center in Fashion Valley, I think the newest developments would be the advent of the solid-state video games and solid-state pinball. That's just one of the Space Age games of the new Sega Center in Fashion Valley. Sega Center. Sega. What? Sega. 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 We're not doing Sega. 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 This is fucking crazy. Sega. So there was a, a, an unveiled news clip from like, I think it was like 80 uh, or 79. It was 79 or 80. Yeah. At Fashion Valley Mall had a, a, a Sega, a Sega arcade. Um. And there was a, a news, uh, you know, a little, like little three minute story on talking to people about games and operators, and it it, came, it made the rounds. And that was toy, by the way. Thank you, toy, for putting it in that little. Yeah, clip. that was that was very funny. Was, yeah, it was taking a lot of time. So it was a very interesting clip because there was one game in particular, a boxing game, that people said that we don't have any heavyweight champ. That's it. And champ. even like even on the lost media Wikipedia here, it still says heavyweight champ is. Uh, you know, they they never showed anything of it, but they did. That was that was the cool thing about that scene is uh, no, there there was no, there's no other video footage of heavyweight champ by uh, Sega in and, action. And we don't have a ROM, obviously, and we don't know where anyone has a cabinet. So like, so maybe it was just put in like there as a test, right. Sort of thing. So it's one of those things where like that's that was like people got excited because I saw that. Yeah, and it looked kind of funny too. So I'm guessing if it was a Sega arcade, 
it would be mostly Sega game. Like that, they would focus more on that, obviously. Right. Um, what year was that? Is that on there? Is it seventy nine or eighty? I want to say that. Uh, Heavyweight Champ was seventy six. I'm I'm looking oh. at a different. Link. Oh wow, yeah. seventy six. Okay, but I think but the I think the uh, clip was from seventy nine. Okay, so we're talking like right before arcades really start to blow up. Like Pac Man's in next year. That's like the cutoff. It's like Pac Man. You're 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 off and running there. Okay, do a few more here. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Don from Minneapolis, big fan of the podcast. That's Don uh, on the phone. Pat, I've been a fan of you since I first saw you on AVGN. Thank you. And then I started watching your show. Ian, I've just been a fan uh, from the podcast based on your honesty, integrity, and love of food. Uh, like my food? question is, if they made a Smash Brothers-style fighting game based on human history, what contenders would you uh, want to be in there? I'll start you off with a few. Uh, Genghis Khan. Ernest Hemingway, Muhammad Ali, Will Smith, whose special move could be a bitch slap. Well, the, well Will Smith played Muhammad Ali, so that's kind of weird. I bring that up. Why are we getting all these like Bill and Ted questions this week? Uh, but I'm going to go with Teddy Roosevelt again. But I will also say, why not? Let's throw Truman Capote in there. Uh, let's get Edgar Allan Poe in there. Let's get a couple novelists in there. Attack with a pen or so, some literary characters come out. Yeah. Uh, can Ted, we Teddy? Okay, Teddy has his his sticky cars, but he was a hunter. He has a rifle, or he just he can call on the his animal friends because he was the, the big first conservationist in our country to come and just attack you. Oh, uh, we should definitely get Vlad the Impaler in there. Oh, oh, well, Teddy had his bear too. Yeah, what's that? Vlad, the, get Impaler? Vlad the Impaler in there. That makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, Pancho Villa. Pancho Villa. Okay, Pancho Villa. I'd like to see in there. Um. Get some old old West. Get Billy the Kid. Get Billy the yeah, kid. get Billy the Kid in there. <laughs> this is really Bill and Ted. Let's now. throw Mary Magdalene in. Mary Magdalene. Okay. Let's throw Mary Magdalene in. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun choice. So I could I could think on that one for, a, for I could think on that question for a while. We don't want to go down the religious road. We can, we can get people after us. Um, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good one. But yeah, it's whether whether or not you go for more warriors versus like eating like one offs like like Mark Twain. Mark Twain would be fun. He could summon a knight in King Arthur's court. There you go. You see where we're going. Oh, I do a couple. Or whatever it is, a Yankee in King a Yankee Arthur's, in court? King Arthur's yes. court. He did the movie, I think. Yep. This is David from Dallas. I've got a three-parter here. Three? As a fan of fighting games, uh, when rating or reviewing them, I've always had to split them up in two categories, pre-Street Fighter 2 and post-Street Fighter 2. was wondering if you felt the same and if there was any other genre where you felt the game came out that changed how you looked at uh, all preceding games in that genre. Lastly, are there any pre-Street Fighter 2 fighters that you recommend? I have always had fond memories of Yi R Kung Fu. Thanks. There's like three or four only pre-Street Fighter uh, 2. I mean, besides Street Fighter, Yi R Kung Fu, uh, Warrior, which we talked yeah. about before in the podcast, the overhead... Uh, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the vector graphics. Vector game. graphics game we talked about. I don't even count Punch Out or Super Punch Out because they're not. I mean, sure. Um, Soul Calibur with the first, I, not Soul Calibur, but, but Soul Blade and Karate Champ. Soul Blade, I think, uh, because I played it before Soul Calibur was kind of like my not my first introduction to uh, 3D fighting games, <clears throat> but it was um, it is the the combination of the weapons in the 3D arena uh, and and how smooth and snappy the gameplay was. That was the one that made me realize fighting games weren't just something that I was going to enjoy on a two dimensional plane. Sure, they could easily make a good transition into 3D because I was really nervous about that for a while. When Tech, it comes Tech, to video games, I've always kind of hated dealing with like changes in technology. You know, like Tekken or Tekken Two. Um, that? 
I I was not a huge second player. Oh, I no. was no. So Soul Soul oh. Edge was my 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 okay. first big 3D fighting game that I played. I remember Tekken being okay. Once Tekken, Tekken Two was outstanding. I was like, wow, this is this is something. I played some of it for sure, but oh, Tekken Two. I loved Tekken Two when it came out. And then um, I, I can't remember what the first question was. I'm sorry, but in terms when reviewing fighting games, what was the question? Like, do you separate things in your head? Is there like another game like where like you you view it like pre post a certain game like pre, post and pre Street Fighter Two like for a genre? Oh, um. I don't think I have another one. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, running gun shooters, maybe with a contra, maybe <clears throat> something like that. I don't know. Uh, to me, I haven't quite like I, I don't have it like locked down, but I do have like in my head a, a, a it's kind of like a post post radius for shooters. Okay, and then uh, post I would say probably post battle Garaga for um for bullet hell. Okay, it was like the first real like crazy bullet hell. But no, I mean I'm sure there is, but nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, platformers. Okay, that's pre and post Mar- Super Mario Brothers. Oh, there wasn't that many before that, but yeah, that's a there one. were, but they were sometimes single screen or very simple. I mean, it, it completely changed the game. Yeah, Smurf. Uh, some people could consider Jungle King slash Hunt a, a platformer. To me, it's more of an action game, but you are running to the side going. So it's like when did eh. Spike come out on Vectrex? Spike was eighty four, probably. That was Spike a platformer. It's a platformer. I mean, literally, all you do is jump from platform to platform. Darn it. Uh, Eighty three. Well, you go up ladders. Yeah, you're a ladder, more of a ladder climber. That, that game's tough to play with the buttons. The four, the Vectrex button layout. They had to figure out to put two in, like like Super Nintendo. The four across is rough. Uh, some of those games. That's a big. That's a big chunky controller there. Um, and then obviously you have platformers like like Pitfall. Yeah, and things like that. If you want to count Pitfall. All right. Uh, you want to check in with someone? Here yeah, let's check in. All right, we'll check in with someone. Hey, Pat. Saw your tweet. Yeah, happy anniversary to you too. Let's both celebrate when I said you'd be the Coleco chameleon of YouTubers and that you don't know anything before the NES. No lies detected. Seriously, what do you know before the NES? Huh? Where's your guidebook about the Vectrex? Where is it? Tons of classics on that system. You never talk about them, like Solar Quest and Web Wars. And rip off. That was my favorite. Yeah, that game really inspired me. But the Atari, you don't know dick about the Atari. Like, Combat, one of the best games ever. I've never heard you mention it once. But it's not like you know about modern stuff either. Let's be honest. The way you talk about NFTs, you sound like the grown-ups from the Apple Jacks commercials. Why are they called Apple Jacks if it doesn't taste like apples? You'll never understand, Mom. That's you, Pat. Your mom now. Go buy a minivan. And then right after you do, go drive it off a fucking cliff. <laughs> Whoa, wait a second. Whoa. You're keeping that light and fluffy Whoa. there. Tommy, what's happening Tom, there? Tom, <clears throat> what's, what's happening there? Yeah, I, you know, the, the Twitterversary of that awful tweet, um, it was funny. It, it, it was funny. It was it, funny. A, a lot of projection in that tweet. So much projection. So much projection in, in that. You know, he, he, likes, he likes to call people jealous, like, like calling Frank Cipaldi jealous gatekeeping. He likes to throw around jealous and gatekeeper and things like that. The one thing about Tommy, whenever we brought this up, it's like Tommy didn't remember that I worked on video game years and and, and had a hand in, in those episodes and featured the Intellivision and featured the Vectrex and other stuff. And it's just funny when you see stuff like that. And it's like, well, whatever. It is what it is. <sighs> what was in your pocket? What went off before? What was that? My phone. I don't know what went off. Well, you know what sound that was? What no. was that? It was a music file? Or is that a ring? Hmm. Reminding me that I've got a... Is a reminder? I have a... What's today? The third? The third. All right. I've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Is that what that reminder was? That was probably okay. that, yeah. Well, 
This was a nice see you podcast. Ian. Sure was. We had fun. Thanks for all the goodies, everyone that came yes. out to, to Midwest Gaming. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm next going to be at, wow, six weeks from now? Seven weeks, too many games? In Pennsylvania. It's going to be something. It's close. And then my, bir- my birthday's on Monday. That's right. It was on the podcast like it was the one year. It's kind of it's kind of rough when your birthday's on a Monday. You guess you celebrate that weekend before, right? Is that the rule? Is it, you celebrate the days before, not after. Yeah, kind of lame though. I'd rather have I'd rather Sunday. I'd rather like have it land on a Monday and or a Wednesday and celebrate the upcoming weekend. Oh, versus, uh, or, no, celebrate uh, after. Or celebrate upcoming? after. Yeah. yeah, there must be a rule for that. Like when you celebrate, if your birthday's on a Wednesday, you go before or after. <laughs> a rule. I'm sure there's some guidelines somewhere. Because next year, on a, if it falls on a Tuesday next year, that's going to be rough. Yes, it gets rougher. But I'll celebrate this weekend. It'll be fine. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.